Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the films Beethoven and Beethoven Second. You don't have to have seen either film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed and listen without having seen them, just be aware there may be spoilers. Enjoy. how much of that song we can play if <laughs> before we if you play it off your phone into the speaker rather than integrating the audio track it doesn't count as a copyright strike <laughs> there we go um i'm glad you chose that version and not the original because the original sucks in comparison <laughs> the original beethoven boo boring give me funky <laughs> give me the funk now that of course is the song a fifth of beethoven which is from the film saturday night fever which i've never seen have you seen it I've watched Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. And I've also never seen Boogie Nights. And in my head, it's the same film. <laughs> they are not the same <laughs> film. Fifth of Beethoven from the film Boogie Nights. No, they're not the same film. But you know, when in, in your head, you just kind of conflate two things. I know that one is about John Travolta dancing and the other is about Mark Wahlberg being a gigolo. The precursor to Juice Bigelow, male gigolo, if you will. <laughs> exactly. The reason that Bru- uh, the... <laughs> The, the, Bruce Schneider. Uh, what's it? Bruce Schneider, yeah. The reason that the Schneider movie is better is um, that it's funny. Yeah. Rather than Boogie Nights, which is a, a comedy drama. Ergo, doesn't have any fart jokes in it. No, no boner jokes. Can you can you have a can you have a comedy movie if there's no pee poo or fart or boner jokes no of course not comedy drama people who say a thing like people like paul thomas anderson who say it's a comedy drama they're just too afraid to do dick jokes and fart jokes (laughs) exactly exactly um yeah whereas this this week's movies multiple pee jokes one poo joke is there a poo joke yes when we talk about Poo. What are you eating? <laughs> I'm eating a cookie that now does look a lot like poo now that you've said poo. <laughs> well, I'll enjoy it. your poo cookie. <laughs> this is professionalism right here, eating a cookie whilst podcasting. Yep. This is what real film criticism sounds like, okay? Want to know my opinion on the Oscars as a serious film critic? The only nominated film that I've seen is June, so June should win all of them. There you go. <laughs> What was nominated? I didn't even pay attention this year. Did um, it come out, what, this week? Well, yeah, there's one that's Benedict Cumberbatch on a horse, which seems to be the favourite. Do you know the one that I'm talking about? Oh, The uh, poster the, is Benedict Cumberbatch on a horse. It's called The Power of the Dog, yet as that's far as I'm right. aware, it doesn't have the most powerful dog, the St. Bernard in it, so immediate <laughs> fail. Exactly. When I first saw the name, I was like, oh, good, finally some recognition for the Beethoven franchise. So I think Nightmare Alley has been nominated, which is the new Guillermo del Toro. Oh, okay. Um, I've heard nothing about that. Cool. Don't Look Up, which is Meteor's Gonna Kill Us All. I have seen that. Movie. 
I might actually save that for us to talk about another time because it's it's interesting. Yeah, I've not watched it. I've not watched it yet. So um, yeah, I've be, I've been not saving it, but I've been thinking um, I'll watch it when I'm really in the mood for it. It's good. It, um, it's worth a look for sure. Um, so oh, Encanto's in there. Obviously, I've seen Encanto. I was going to make you watch that, but then I made you watch Beethoven. Um, Belfast, a movie I assume is about Belfast. Isn't it about Kenneth Branagh's childhood? Is that what it's about? I think so, yeah. Boring. Boring. (laughs) (laughs) We've already made a movie about childhood. It's called Boyhood. Yeah, and it took 12 years to make. Did it take you 12 years to make Belfast, Kenneth Branagh? I thought not. Maybe it took him... How old is Kenneth Branagh now? What, 60? About 60-odd, yeah. It took him 60 years to make. Ergo, it's better than than Boyhood. Oh, that's how it works. So if the (laughs) oldest man in the world was to make his life story movie, then that would would win all the Oscars. That would win all the Oscars, obviously. Um, Okay. I bet you when Richard Linklater's 90, he's going to do that. Yes, yeah, he's going to do his own movie and it's going to be about chilling out and doing drugs when you're 100 years old. I would watch that. Yeah, <laughs> it's like Dirty Grandpa, but for, for Mumblecore fans. <laughs> um, so there's Coda, which is um, about a, a, a deaf girl, I think. Oh, okay. Which has been getting getting good reviews. Um, then, yes, June. Uh, Drive My Car, which disappointingly is not the long-awaited sequel to Dude, Where's My Car? <laughs> um, but it is a Japanese film, and it's nice to have another foreign movie nominated. Yes, it's based on a Murakami story, so that's oh, sure to it? be good. Ah, excellent, excellent. Uh, King Richard. Oh, that's Will Smith being the Williams sisters' dad, is yes. that right? yeah. Um, which I have no interest in seeing because, in general, biopics are terrible. And boring. Yeah, boring. Uh, there's no chance of a giant robot fighting a giant lizard in any biopic, so I have no time for any of them. Unless it's a biopic of Godzilla. <laughs> exactly. I want a coming-of-age drama about Godzilla's... The very God- real... Godzilla's awkward teenage years. <laughs> Japanese dinosaur beast. Um, we've got uh, Licorice Pizza. Speaking of Paul Thomas Anderson... Um, which again, I highly doubt it's got any pee jokes in it, so immediate fail. No, or any um, licorice or any pizza, so I've heard. What's the point then? The licorice pizza, what does that mean? Um, what, what? It, it means that it, it sounds clever, but it's not. It sounds like something horrible from Urban Dictionary. Yeah, yeah. Some sort of depraved sex act. Yeah. Yeah. You can imagine some horrible chud going, oh, I gave her a licorice pizza last night, mate. Ooh. And that's what Paul Thomas Anderson's films are like. Those are his fans. So I've looked it up. It's named after a famous record store that existed in the late 70s and 80s, because of course it did. It's a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Oh, because a record looks like a licorice pizza. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's uh, yeah, a, a reference to how, you know, those tiny licorice wheels that you get look look like look like vinyl how do you feel about licorice um i like strawberry licorice i like not licorice licorice yeah (laughs) Um, that's okay actual licorice is 
is the work of the devil. I cannot, I cannot stand it. As as you know, I'm not a person who drinks. I don't drink alcohol, but for me at least, licorice, the the anise aniseed flavour, is best served in some kind of spirit that gets you incredibly drunk incredibly quickly. Um, yeah, I think I think that's the perfect place for that kind of flavour. I don't really like it in a sweet. Yeah, um, in a thing that you don't drink. Yeah, so so give me give me a pasty. Well, you used to give me a pasties. You used to give me an ouzo. You used to give me a sambuca, but don't give me licorice. Yeah, that, that, that's what I'm saying. And, and then the the final the final one apparently that we haven't talked about is uh, West Side Story, the new West. Oh Side yes, Story. Um, I would be interested to see that. Which uh, we're, we're so those are the best picture nominations. I'm not going to bother going through the rest of them, but. A load of a load of movies that you'd expect to get nominated at the Oscars, and then June. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> which, to be fair, I think they should give it to June because no other movie has given us um, Stellan Skarsgård taking a bath in balsamic vinegar while someone yodels in the background. Yeah. So give it to <laughs> give it give it to that, please. Come on. Are yeah. there any space bagpipes in the power of the dog? <laughs> I doubt it. Does Benedict Cumberbatch on the back of a horse going through the desert or whatever it is? Does he whip out a pair of space bagpipes? No. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, no time, no time for it. Um, but there are no space bagpipes in this week's movies. No, two movies. Um, you've been wanting to talk about these for a very long time. I know, Paddy. This has been. I think really this is the reason you wanted to start the podcast is you wanted to talk about these films. Yeah, definitely. This is all just all just a long con to get you to talk about Beethoven. <laughs> so yeah, so we're talking because up until this point, you know, when I first met Rob, I was like, "Oh, have you have you seen Beethoven?" And he's like, "No." I was like, "Oh, you've never seen Beethoven?" And then we yeah, we had this kind of back and forth for about oh, ten years, and he was just like, "I'm not going to talk about Be- Beethoven." And I'd say, "We need to talk about Beethoven," and he'd say, "Isn't that a book by a bigot?" And I'd say, "No." <laughs> uh, accurate statement there. Um, we need yeah. to talk about Beethoven. Uh, goes into a school and slobbles all over the kids, and jaunty music plays as all the kids die. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the kind of film that we watch on this show. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, we're talking about Beethoven and Beethoven Second. And you said there, Rob had never seen Beethoven. That is untrue. No, I, I made that up. I I had Beethoven on video when I was a, a wee bairn, and I love this movie. Um, well, I certainly used to love it when I was a kid. I haven't seen it since I was a kid, but I like it still. Good. I'm really glad. Yeah, I, I think we either had it on on video when I was a kid, or it was just on TV all the time. You know, there are some some films from the 90s that fall into that category, aren't there, where your memory's a bit hazy, or maybe it's just me. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, I, I get that entirely. It was a film I watched a lot as a kid. And Beethoven's Second, I, th- I don't think we ever had that one on video, so that was one that you did have to catch on TV if it was on. But the first one, yeah, I definitely watched that film loads of times when I was a kid, and I loved it. Um, yeah, so so I I was the same. We didn't have Beethoven's Second on, on video, but we did have the first one. And uh, yeah, I love I love Beethoven. It was there with, with Problem Child in terms of silly slapstick comedies about people or dogs causing chaos in a family environment. Did, did you ever watch Problem, Problem Child? Child. Well? I think I saw that once, maybe. 1990 American dark comedy. Apparently it is a series. Of course it is, because every, every <laughs> film from the 90s is a series. It really was a golden age, wasn't it? I can't really remember anything about this. 
Um, I I don't remember much about it apart from I remember two incredibly disgusting scenes. Um, one where um, oh good, the only name I recognise in this is Michael Richards, who's the guy from Seinfeld who got cancelled for saying the N word. <laughs> we'll we'll talk about cancellation um, in a little moment. Um, but um, are you but, about to cancel Beethoven? I am going to cancel Beethoven. Um, that Saint Bernard has had his day, <laughs> but it's got John Ritter in it. Surely you recognise John Ritter. John Ritter? Um, you know, you know John Ritter, handsome man in a black and white photo from um, uh, from all sorts of things like Three's Company, um, Eight Simple Rules. These no, are all old things I haven't seen. You don't, you don't recognise him, oh no. I say I'm very disappointed in you, Paddy. He's he's yeah, he's a very, you know, well known for sort of sitcom comedian. Um Gilbert Gottfried. Do you know Gilbert Gottfried? Sure. Oh yes. Mr. Name rings a bell. Well, you, you will know him as Iago oh, from yes. Aladdin, probably. But a famous famous comedian. Um but yeah, there, there's only a couple of scenes I remember from from Problem Child. One is um where he makes it go really fast on one of those Wurlitzers at a um at a carnival and everyone throws up. He's he's a naughty kid and he goes around doing chaotic things. Right. Um and then the other thing is that he sets out a lemonade stool outside his house. Uh, these these are the only two things I remember from from the movie. Various other things happen, I'm sure. Um he sets out a lemonade stool outside his house but he runs out of lemonade, so he wheezes in the jug instead. And then these two police officers walk by, and they buy some lemonade off him. And one of them goes, "Hmm, tangy. That's nice." <laughs> so wait, he plays a prank on the cops. He plays a prank on the cops. Yeah, he makes them drink his. Piss. Well, I'm I'm immediately on his side then. <laughs> um, and then they they made Problem Child two as well. Um. But yeah, I, I I don't remember anything apart from that. But the scene where he makes the police drink his piss um, has stayed with me for the entirety of my life. But, 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 and that's but the Beethoven, thing about talking about films from this kind of era, isn't it? That a lot of this stuff has stayed with us. People who are our age, probably, these are formative films for us. You know, these are the films that we watched over and over because we didn't have a bunch of different vhs tapes you know back in my day we only had a handful of videotapes and we had to rotate them we didn't have the netflix like you young people you know to sound like a thousand years old but the the nostalgia that i have for something like this is is really it's a big deal because you know i think this might have been the first time i saw something like pathetic fallacy in a film before i knew what that was called but i was like oh yeah of course it's raining now on the bad guys or whatever and the first time i ever saw you know bungling criminals <laughs> so i think there's a lot of stuff that i learned from this film and you know the first time i ever saw the absolutely iconic acting chops of stanley tucci <laughs> and and of and of the dog that played beethoven yeah as well um yeah i think you know one thing that we had was um we had those videotapes you could buy and then we had a a a, a one of the record it wasn't just a video player it could record as well yeah yeah um did you have um like apollo video or a local video shop we had a blockbuster okay you had a blockbuster that was that was like a level up see apollo video was like the sort of local chain version of that that wasn't 
you kind of knew it was a bit low rent, but actually they had everything. And I used to rent Mega Drive games from there as well, and it was massive. Yeah, we didn't use it that much, but I remember picking up Game Boy games really cheap when they they were clearly carts that they'd used for rental, and then they were looking to sell on when they weren't useful anymore. Dr. Mario, and it's got someone else's game in there where they've got like 60% (laughs) of the way through, and you're trying to erase it, and you can't. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) <laughs> um <laughs> so yeah we, so yeah we had that but we didn't use it too much but yeah what we used to do is record stuff off the tv so you'd get the the tv edits with like 15 minute every 15 minutes you'd have an ad break oh no every time you gotta watch that same ad, and ad break the same, the, the same advert every time pick yeah. up a penguin or the marmite one with low rider or something or belly's gonna get you do you remember belly's oh jeez, yeah disgusting absolutely <laughs> revolting what was that even an advert for I have got no idea. People <laughs> don't know what we're talking about. This is an advert from the 90s, I think. Or maybe were, it was just like a giant, like, disembodied stomach chasing a child. <laughs> yeah, it was chasing a man through the streets. And I think it chased him onto a rooftop, didn't it? Yeah, something like that. I have no, I have no idea what it was for. <laughs> Listeners, if you can remember what the belly's going to get your advert was for. Uh, Reebok. It's for it Reebok, Reebok trainers. okay. Oh, so you're running away from the belly to get fit. I'm just right, looking I at see. the images and I've just remembered the harrowing sight of the, the belly <laughs> riding a motorbike, <laughs> chasing this man through the streets. Horrendous. I think I genuinely was quite traumatized by it. <laughs> this is like some David Lynchian shit. It, yeah, <laughs> it is some body horror, isn't it? It's like, yeah, this time the belly's going to eat you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about Beethoven. That's from the year 2000, apparently. Year 2000, that's more recent than I thought it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we're here to talk about Beethoven. So Beethoven is the story of a dog, a dog who's also a great musician. Yeah. Um, and he... Uh, who went deaf, but he, still composed his went, best dog symphonies um, by placing his ears to the ground. Yeah, so so this dog is is no one's buying it from a pet shop. Do you would you buy pedigree dogs from a pet shop in America? Again, it seems kind of dodgy, doesn't it? I mean, things were very very different back then in terms of they did actually have pet shops with like puppies in the window, and they don't do that now. Or hopefully they don't. I don't know. Maybe they do, but I think in this country you don't see it so much anymore as you used to. But yeah, like purebred Saint Bernards in like a pet shop window. Uh, yeah, I, I don't buy that. So yeah, we. We, we've had a few dogs and we've never had one from a pet shop even when i was a kid it was always some some bloke on a farm his dogs had puppies here you go go buy one of these puppies yeah you want to get a dog you've got to go to a farm <laughs> you've got to haven't you pet shops but, in this country only sell rubbish pets like goldfish and hamsters get a hamster get a get a rabbit if you're lucky yeah that's like the best you can hope for in a pet shop, isn't it? Like a nice long-eared rabbit. Yeah. The rest of it is disappointing pets. <laughs> I mean, I loved hamsters when I was a kid. I had I had two hamsters. Um, yeah, I had one or two. They were yeah, they were magnificent animals. But yeah, they, they he he's a he's a dog and he's a puppy and he's in the pet shop window. But then these bumbling goons played excellently by Stanley Tucci and Oliver Platt break in to steal some dogs. Um, yeah. After, is it? Do they show before that? Don't they? They show Dean Jones's evil face, saying, "I need puppies." Yes, yeah, I used to do. scare the shit out of me. So you, you know something bad is going down. Um, and then, um, and then, yeah, uh, he gets he gets 
stolen, but then he escapes out of the back of a moving truck. And... But wait, wait, wait. Before any of this happens, you see him piss all over a lady in the pet shop. Yeah, the, the first pee joke is about five minutes into this. To this yeah, movie. there's a lot of piss in both of these films, isn't there? Um, but then you, you get the most, you get the introduction of, of the best element of Beethoven's character as a dog, because he is a dog that has character. Um, and unfortunately, this character does get sanitized as the movies goes on. But but Beethoven is a true himbo. Um, <laughs> he he only escapes Stanley, Stanley Tucci who's chasing after him by deciding, I'm going to go roll in some trash in a trash can and then go to sleep. Um, and then only manages to find his new family after a little adventure through the streets of wherever the hell this is in California by um, randomly wandering into this house. He's a, he's a big, dumb, gorgeous idiot is our Beethoven. But then over the course of the movies, they make him more and more intelligent. And it's like, that's not what Beethoven is. No. Beethoven's giant slobbery chaos. He's not a fucking philosopher king. He's a big, dumb, lovable fool. Yes. Um, Who rolled to this family in a magic bin. (laughs) Exactly. That's it. That's his origin story. After Um, his Jack Russell friend got out the van and ran away from Stanley Tucci, who was shouting, I give you bone. (laughs) As he ran away. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, but e- even the, you know, this movie brought back a lot of nostalgia for me. Um, the audio cues are really nostalgic. So when the music tied up with like a cat hissing at Beethoven and where it ties up with certain lines of dialogue, it took me right back to, to sitting on the floor watching it on some shitty old television. The score um, is imprinted on my brain forever. And it, it makes really, really good use of like kind of the same musical motifs coming back throughout the film, doesn't it? Sometimes in a minor key to express something else. And you don't get, I feel like you don't get that so much with family films anymore. They just kind of throw pop music all over it. And yeah. like the actual art of a score like this. I would recommend any film composer actually watch this film and genuinely listen to how artfully the score interacts with the, with the, the action. Genuinely. I would rather listen to the score of Beethoven than any music by the original Beethoven. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, yeah. the score is great. <laughs> and whenever I heard any of it from this from this rewatch, I was like, oh my God, the nostalgia is brilliant. Whereas when I listen to, to Beethoven, I just think, what's this boring nerd music? <laughs> fuck, 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 off. fuck, fuck, fuck off. <laughs> I'm going to go and set that to actual Beethoven. <laughs> <laughs> You are a nerd. (laughs) You are a nerd. (laughs) I do love the moment when they name him and they're all trying to pick out names. They've all put names in the hat and they're saying, call the dog MC Hammer. And then he'll tell us and he barks at Beethoven. And then, yeah, it goes, zooms in on old Beethoven's face on the music. And then Charles Grodin just goes, Beethoven. (laughs) <laughs> it's really actually kind of ominous isn't it the it, way he it says is, it is it is um but uh but yeah it's it's it there's lots of very funny moments like that where there's actually some quite intelligent cuts and and good timing of the dialogue um this movie's not as bad as as most family films from the 1990s there's actually some very good moments in it um one thing i really love is that the 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 broadster's job is he runs a an air freshener 
uh, company. Yeah. And on the outside of the building, there's a giant nose. <laughs> that is extremely funny. And I thought that was hilarious when I was a kid. And I think that's funny now. It's as still well. funny now. Yeah, it really is. Um, but but there's something inherently funny about St. Bernard's. Do you say St. Bernard's or St. Bernard? Because I, I say St. Bernard because yes. I am English. Yes. Yeah. And whereas they refer to him as a St. Bernard. Um, as yep. it is uh, as it is pronounced on the other side of the Atlantic, um, but but there's something inherently funny about him and about the the breed in general. So whenever they they cut to him just looking like a Saint Bernard, it's it's funny anyway. But particularly when they try and make him intelligent, so like when he goes off to school, when he's stopping the bullies of one of the kids, when he's when they're trying to get him to convey any kind of emotion and then it cuts back to this truly dumb looking motherfucker of a dog <laughs> every single time it's funny because it's just yeah. like, mate, that that dog has got nothing going on upstairs because he does some seriously clever stuff like he runs a, he runs and finds the little girl and she falls in the pool he drags the um idiot investors through the mud you know he he, he does some clever stuff but then you got that big big dumb fool face yes yeah his big it's, jowls it's great it's great. The one thing, though, that I would say is that the slobber is not an exaggeration. Um, I come from a family that has long had slobbery dogs, and it gets everywhere. It I come really from does. a family of slobberers. <laughs> the old Habsburg chin <laughs> runs in my family. Um, uh, yeah, no, that, that's how that's how slobbery dogs are. It does get everywhere. It, yeah, they will ruin your day. You'll you'll pick out what you're going to wear, and then just before you leave the house just before you go somewhere important they will come up and get slobber all over you and it'll stick to you and it's impossible to get off and then you'll have yeah. to change it, that, that is what they do it's just the nature of a slobbery dog but if i change my pants i gotta change my shirt if i change my shirt i gotta <laughs> change it i sometimes go into that routine if i'm ever in a similar situation around the house <laughs> excellent excellent just change your pants george um but <laughs> yes um but yeah this, this movie is it is incredibly 90s, though, and I think that that really works into its charm. Um, you've got sort of like the, the typical 90s-looking bullies at the school that are picking on Ted. The, the, Those the bullies are hilarious. And he's he's got the like the nerd glasses on, hasn't he? Yeah. Because he's a nerd. He's he's a young, skinny nerd, and the bullies are going to pick on him. The bullies, of course, are cool boys with frosted tips. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> exactly. One of them's wearing yeah. like a cut-off yeah. denim jacket, but they're clearly like eight years old. And all they really, all they do is like pour milk on his sandwich. They, they pour <laughs> they milk on his sandwich and they take his glasses. They they never beat him up, do they? Um, because that would no. be, that would be too much for a, for a nineties kids movie. Um, no, all of fair, that would be too much. But the i the whole like action plot of this film revolves around the idea of a guy testing guns on dogs, which on <laughs> reflection is dark as fuck. It is. It is. He, D- Dean Jones is a proper villain here, isn't he? Um, a real. And again, I think this is where my idea of an archetypal villain came from. I mean, I watched a lot of Disney films around this time, but this is kind of a real life. One of my early villains was, yeah, this guy who wanted to shoot dogs in the face to test bullets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is this is why whenever you write a story where there's got to be a villain, it's always a scientist who shoots dogs every time. Yeah. <laughs> and wants to inject them with needles as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, but but all of the villains in this are, are, are brilliant. You've got Oliver Platt and Stanley Tucci, as mentioned, they're the two goons. And they're extremely funny. You know, you've got these two very talented actors. Um, so it's kind of understandable that they can pull it off. But it's very early in both of their careers. 
Um, yeah, and, they, and they it's very, uh, it's a very over, it's kind of an overdone performance almost by Stanley Tucci, isn't it? It's really, really over the top. He's hamming it up and he is having the time of his life and you're like, yes, yeah, you go, Stanley <laughs> and Tucci. And it's, it's exactly what you need as well. Um, it's, it's precisely what this movie needed was those over the top performances. Um, because when you're primarily acting against a dog, someone's got to be charismatic and over the top because the dog yeah. is just going to be a dog. So yeah, you, you every five need... seconds it's going to cut to his, his big dumb face. <laughs> exactly. Whereas then you've got like the everyman character of Charles Grodin, who just is the straight man of this of this movie. Um, the every dad. The every dad uh, who is just exasperated at having this giant dog in the house. And having to deal with the, the the constant destruction and everything like that, and you know, that really this movie is about. And, and one of the, I'll talk about why I don't like Beethoven's Second as much um, when we talk about that. Yeah. But I think one of the big failings of that movie is that the the relationship between Charles Grodin and the dog is downplayed in the sequel. And I think that's really the driving force of this film is it's not really about how the kids feel about the dog; it's how how Charles Grodin feels about the dog. Um, that helps be the it's the emotional center of the film really that's exactly it it's the glue that that pulls it all together isn't it everything else hangs off the central premise of him not wanting the dog and then him coming to love the dog and eventually saving the dog from the evil man who wants to shoot the dog yeah it's it's actually his story in a way whereas yeah beethoven second is kind of a bunch of loose ends that don't get tied up and it's exactly yeah an exercise in how to yeah how the first film wouldn't have worked if you didn't have that to hang it off yes no even even just the way it kind of cuts to charles grodin occasionally saying beethoven <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you just hear his screaming from another room because of something that's that's um that that's happened it's he does some very good screaming in this film doesn't he, he? really does he really does um but uh but yeah it's um it's a it's a really smart little heartwarming um kids movie family movie from from the 90s there's a few things i don't like about it and a few things that i think i find funny that i shouldn't um one thing i find funny that i shouldn't is um the the little girl emily played by sarah rose carr who put in a series of amazing performances as a kid actor um yeah. first appearing in kindergarten cop um, for instance that's right which have, have yeah. we talked about kindergarten cop on no well we've, we've talked about it a lot but we've never we've dedicated we haven't an done episode it. to we it we haven't done it yeah um, her first movie role was kindergarten cop put that cookie down put that cookie down um but um her looking at charles Grodin, looking at her dad and saying with a straight face dog killer will never yeah. not be funny <laughs> Um, that will never, yeah. never not be funny. Um, one thing I didn't like, a little nitpick. Um, they're playing Super Mario Brothers 3 at the same time. One of them using the Nintendo Power Glove, one of them using the regular controller. Super Mario 3 doesn't let you play at the same time. You can, you can, no. you can go one after another, one of you playing as Mario, one of you playing as Luigi, but you can't play the main levels together. So no, breaking my immersion should have done their homework absolutely disgraceful yeah. naught out of 20 like how hard would it have been to have just got them yeah playing a different game well we're, we're, yeah. we're talking about people who made movies in the 90s they didn't know what video games were you've seen the super no, mario brothers true. movie did anyone involved in that movie know what what super mario was 
I was going to say this is one to two, one to two years before John Leguizamo's <laughs> finest performance. Yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Everyone's talking about him now because of Encanto, which is great. You've seen, yeah, as, as I texted you the other day, and I've been, there have been a number of tweets about his his most iconic role actually as Tybalt in um, Romeo plus Juliet. But yeah, big big up it's John actually, Leguizamo. It's actually Luigi in <laughs> Super Mario Brothers. Sorry. Yeah, obviously. Um, uh, one thing I will say, and this is a, a, a horrible continuation between uh, this movie and the sequel, they feed this dog far too much human food. They're going to kill it. He's, yeah, he's eating everything off the table. It, Bacon, <laughs> eggs, well, fish. In, in this movie, it's Twinkies, croissants, ice cream, bacon. That's going to kill this dog. The second yeah. movie, we'll talk about it, but burger eating contest it gets worse they don't get the worse. dog in a burger eating contest outrageous <laughs> um and 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 i will say though one thing i really love is the david duchovny cameo as one of the um one of the investors um yeah who what time was this versus david duchovny's you know this is 1992 or 1990 uh, beethoven. So beethoven was 1992 yeah that's right yeah um, and then the X Files started in 1993, so this is a pre. Oh, really? So he'd already done Twin Peaks, where he has those those few few episodes in Twin Peaks, and done done some movies and bits and bobs like that. But you know, this this is before um, this is before the X Files. You know, the, the that big iconic performance yeah. that he did. Um, so um, yeah, pre pre X Files, David Duchovny here driving a driving a BMW. Yeah, alongside um, the actor whose name I can't remember who plays it, Patricia Heaton, who is yes. absolutely incredible. The line that always stayed with me was when they said, the kids, are, they say to her, do you have any children? And she laughs and goes, we have a career. Which, uh, that, that always made me really chuckle. And that brings me on to the serious piece of criticism that I have about Beethoven. Yeah, well, I've let, we've got half an hour in and now you're about to cancel Beethoven. I'm about so to cancel like that's Beethoven. that's pretty good. Um, the heteronormative conservatism of Beethoven. In this thesis, I will, etc., etc. But thanks for coming to my TED talk. But let's talk a little bit about the the message that this movie sends to women and to girls. Um, the mum does not want to go back to work and wants to stay with her children. This movie has an anti-working mum message to begin with. Um, and Beethoven yeah. the dog intensifies that and supports that message through his actions. Um, so kids watching this movie will think, oh, Beethoven. Beethoven thinks women should stay behind and look after the children and be in the kitchen. That's, that's what Beethoven thinks. Um, and, and let's, you know, it, it goes one step further than that, though, because look at the other female characters in this movie, which there aren't many of, um, you know, actual women instead of girls. Um who are these characters? You have cold-blooded child haters. <laughs> Do you have any kids? No, we have careers. This woman who's having a career instead of having a family is seen as an inherent villain, and it is good that she gets given whiplash by the dog. Um, the other <laughs> literally dragged around over concrete. <laughs> the other, the other female character uh, is the babysitter. The negligent babysitter oh, yeah. who doesn't have a family of her own. So again, unless you because she loves musicals too much. She loves mu- yeah. She likes musicals too much. She doesn't have a family of her own. She didn't have children of her own. She doesn't seem to particularly care that much for children. And again, the message is: 
if you don't care for, for, for children, not only are you going to potentially drown a child, but also Beethoven's not going to like you very much. Yeah. So 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 the, the message of the story of, of the film is mum should stay at home with the kids. And I'm not and on board with that, Beethoven. I'm sorry. You know. Yeah, Beethoven, you big old sexist. <laughs> it's massive you sexist. You need to go back dog. to school. You need you I mean, I, I, I did hear that after this the dog was invited to go and, and, and talk at, you know, GOP conventions. Um, about the importance of family values and everything like that, but um, but yeah, yeah I did, yeah. I did. Ted know- Cruz is a big fan, but <laughs> but but I, I I did notice that though. I did think that's a bit weird that the messages in this movie aren't necessarily about female empowerment in the same way that you would do now. I don't no. think you know. Uh, oh, you wouldn't be able to make Beethoven <laughs> these days. You get cancelled. Well, watching Beethoven and thinking you couldn't make this film. You couldn't now. make. You couldn't make. You you get you. It's illegal to make a movie like Beethoven these days, talking about women wanting to be around their kids. Or yeah, if a woman openly says that she wants to stay at home and be a mother, then that's she'll get cancelled. That's not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. But yeah, I did notice that that the, the messaging of this movie isn't particularly female empowermenty. No, I mean at the same time, if you do want to stay home and raise your children, and that is an option oh, for you yes, practically yeah, and financially, course. then yeah, absolutely do it. If of that's course, what you know, no one wants to works fucking, best for you. No and your one wants family. to fucking work, and everyone wants to you know be around their kids if they can. Kids are a job. Ah, so is is it actually an anti anti work political piece? No, it's, is, <laughs> is is she then saying is she then resisting the tyranny of work? It's definitely not doing that. It's definitely an anti-working mum's movie um, by not coming be- back to work for her husband in the the big nose shop because it because of the way that it portrays the other female characters. I think that definitely throws the 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 uh, Beethoven as Antifa out of the window. Yeah. Be- Beethoven would definitely be taking part in the the trucker riots up in Calif- in uh, Canada right now. Oh yeah, yeah, he's he's up there right now driving his truck, saying, "I ain't gonna move my truck." Um, and, and, you know, the other big thing to take away from this is that Ted kills a man. Ted, the youngest, the, the middle child, the youngest son, um, first via firing a load of drugs into the evil vet by driving the car through the wall. Um, and then also that that's, that could be seen in a, as an accident. That definitely would kill you. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, he's dead. That man is dead. Yeah. He's, he's, he's manslaughter. Manslaughter right there. But it could be an accident because he didn't know that he was there. He was just driving through the wall. Yeah. Um, but cheap. what he did know was he was setting a load of dogs on a pair of people who then definitely got mauled to death. No, but then, yeah, I was thinking this. I was thinking, oh, shit, Stanley Tucci just got eaten to death by a pack of wild, pack of dogs. They're not wild dogs. Um, but then in the next scene when it's on the news, they show them, don't they? Oh, like, do they? With their injuries. Okay. Yeah, where they're watching the news report on TV, it shows them um, like coming in and out of the courthouse. And they're, okay. they're all like bandaged up. Including the, the evil doctor? Or is... Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, so he didn't die. I mean, that would no. definitely kill he him. He should have died. He, he would but... be dead. <laughs> Um, okay, well, I'm glad. I'm glad that he only seriously injured these people rather than killed them. T- yeah. Ted is Batman confirmed. Um, yeah, no the the real the real hero is the little Jack Russell that bit Dean Jones on the cock and balls for <laughs> yeah. a really long time. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> just like clumps its teeth on and is just hanging off of him. <laughs> so weird, but brilliant. It, 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 yeah, it is amazing. Um, so, uh, anything else you would like to talk about before we do a little bit of trivia and move on to the 
on to the second part of this week's episode. Um, just the, the obviously the, the oldest daughter has a bit more time in Beethoven second, but her name is Rice. That's hilarious as well. Yeah, it's is is that a name that people use regularly? I think in America it probably is, but I've never heard it anywhere else. Yeah, because I've I I only know Edgar it from Rice Burroughs. But that was that was spelt like rice, wasn't it? Yeah. And that that was his surname rather than his his first name. Yeah. I think they went they meant they meant Bryce and then they just dropped the R. <laughs> I don't know. Um the, it is apparently an Anglo Saxon baby name meaning powerful. I've just had Oh, a okay. Maybe maybe I'll choose that for my second son then. I think it is a woman's name. No, we're calling we're calling him Beethoven, obviously. <laughs> of course you are. Not Beethoven second. <laughs> No. Um, although maybe, yeah, Beethoven, and then when he has a son, it's called Beethoven Second instead of Beethoven Ah, uh, yeah. Or Beethoven that's that's a very good long con. I like that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so I've got a little bit of, a little bit of trivia for you. So um, Steve Martin was the first choice to play George, um, uh, but then okay. they also considered John Candy, Danny DeVito, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Jeff Goldblum, Rick Moranis, and Robin Williams. Um, I think Charles Grodin is brilliant. Um, and, you know, yeah. th- those are all great choices. And I'd love to see Danny DeVito in this film instead. But um, yeah. but I, I think, you know, that this it's definitely the right place for, for Charles Grodin. Yeah, definitely the right place for a man who, at, at the time of filming, I think was in his late 50s and looked, still looked like 35. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and, yeah, there was a massive age gap. Uh, between the actors so charles grodin was 56 uh, bonnie hunt was only 29 <laughs> <laughs> although there's no age difference between their characters because they 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 went to school together yeah um which yeah um this is also joseph gordon levitt's film debut he is oh, a, that's right yeah, yeah he's wearing a green top and gets on the bus um so yeah um yeah welcome to hollywood <laughs> joseph gordon levitt <laughs> um and and it's worth noting you know dean jones this is obviously very against his his character Um, yeah we we talked about him previously yeah in the ugly dachshund another dog film yes the man who only does dog films um yeah (laughs) exactly exactly um so so yeah so yeah a little bit a little bit of trivia for you but you know shall we do you want to shall we rank these movies separately should we give beethoven a ranking and then beethoven yeah we, pro- we probably should shouldn't we yeah um let's see how many dogs do you let out of the cages to chase stanley tucci and oliver platt and maul them to death um so even though this movie is very unromantic i'm still giving it a 15 because i love it um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go as high as a 17 because it's yeah it's just one that I I love and still love and is always is always worth watching. Um, but yeah, the romance really is in Beethoven's second, isn't it? So that's how yeah. I'm getting away with it, I think. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you know, Beethoven. Each of these films is only about 80 minutes, so add them together and you've got the length of probably one Marvel movie. So. You've got June. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, let, let's talk about Beethoven's second because I. This is a movie I wasn't as familiar with, as mentioned. You know, we didn't have this on video, so I think I only watched it a few times, if if more than once when I was a kid. So all that I remembered about this film was there's Beethoven puppies in it, and then at the end they're on a mountain. 
and that's all that I remembered going into it. Puppies up a mountain. You didn't remember the the villains who were uh, who <laughs> talk in the most hilarious accents about their dogs. Uh, no, I did. I did not remember Chris Penn. Amazing. Yeah, he is in a Beethoven uh-huh. movie. I did not realize that. Um, truly, truly fantastic. Um, but but yeah, that that that's all that I remembered about it from when I was from when I was younger. Um, so it was, um, yeah, it was it was interesting to go back, but I can't say I particularly enjoyed this one. I'm afraid, Paddy. I no, I didn't hate it, but I was like, yeah, looking back, you see that this is definitely a sequel. So now I had it in my in my head that they filmed them back to back, but they didn't. So I, I got that completely wrong. They didn't. They never intended for it to be a franchise. They just it did well, and they said let's quickly throw together a sequel that came out the year after. So it was all I think done quite quickly. And cheaply, and it shows, doesn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. You might be thinking of the incredible King Solomon's Mines movies, which were filmed back to back. Yeah, very, very similar films. Of which course. we should talk about at some point, because there is romance in them, and they're truly shit. And that will be my yeah. revenge for getting you to making me watch Beethoven Second. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm okay with that. Because we've watched them together, haven't we? King Solomon's Mines. Yeah, we have, and, yeah. Uh, and The Lost City of Gold, the sequel. They're, they're yeah, incredibly yeah, I've definitely fun, watched those at your house. Incredibly fun, horrible rip-offs of um, Indiana Jones, for anyone who's not familiar. Um, yeah. Starring um, Richard Chamberlain as as um, Alan Quatermain. It's very good. Shit piece, goofy, not not serious Indiana Jones, yeah. basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but there's a few things that I wanted to point out first that I really do love about this movie first thing is the name beethoven second is a fantastic name for a sequel for a movie called genius beethoven. they could have called it beethoven 2 or or beethoven's got puppies or something like that but no yeah they went for it here come the pups here come oh, the pups yeah. yeah but but yeah beethoven second beautiful name beautiful name um but again it's not as good but there are some very very funny things in it um the dogs looking at each other in love so so yeah the, the basic this is the romantic one basic plot of, dog dog romance basic yeah basic plot of this is beethoven fucks that, that yeah. that's the plot of this movie <laughs> well that's what they should have called it oh have you seen beethoven fucks yeah i love that film <laughs> saw it in the cinema richard richard dawkins has, has seen beethoven fucks it's his favourite. Um, He's got it on Blu-ray. He does, he does. Um, so, so yeah, so he falls in love with this dog called Missy, um, which is a, another St. Bernard with a pink bow on its head. That's how you know that's it's how, female. That's how you know They all wear pink bows. Um, and, and, yeah, there'll be plenty of shots of them, like, looking at each other or barking at each other and, and like, you know, doing that thing dogs do where they turn their heads to one side and it's meant to imply that they're in love, and it's absolutely hilarious every time. Unintentionally hilarious, I might add. Yeah, it's 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 just extremely funny. Um, and and the idea of a Saint Bernard with a bow on its head to make it look feminine will never not be funny, either. You know, yeah. this is not a poodle. This is a Saint Bernard, the giant slobbery chaos dog. Yeah. Um. The the jowly beast the t- <laughs> of wonder. Exactly. Exactly. 
um but but they keep they keep sort of going back to to this being in love thing and they what w- one scene that i absolutely loved again unintentionally was when uh rice has her first kiss in in a car with a with a dickhead boy um yeah and um <laughs> And then this ballad kicks off in the background as yeah. she's kicking, as she's kissing, which immediately <laughs> makes you think: Is there some guy just off screen start, who started singing a song as these two teenagers have kissed? Yeah, um, Sting was just there in the car behind them. Um, and and then the song mentions Beethoven. I take it this song was made for the movie. Yeah, the, and there's there's I think there's multiple ones, isn't there? Because there's a Dolly Parton song. Yeah. The Day I Fell in Love, yeah, which was nominated for some Academy Awards, performed by James Ingram and Dolly Parton. Um, and then and then the song continues playing for the fucking dogs as they go to watch a movie at a, drive, a, a drive-in theatre. And it's just like, who are these people singing a ballad for a pair of dogs? Who why, Are these people on a register somewhere? They probably should be if they're that invested in dog love. <laughs> Yeah, but you you believe the dog romance, don't you? You think they're having a nice time together. Um, you do, you do. Because it, it serves it to you on a plate in the most 90s way possible, with with ballads. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and speaking of things served on a plate, uh, let's talk again about, about feeding dogs human food. Don't feed your dogs human food. Don't feed your dogs ice cream. This movie opens with him buying an ice cream for his dog, the owner yeah. of Missy, and then buying one for Beethoven as well. Don't feed some random other person's dog ice cream. Yeah, irresponsible. What's wrong with, what's wrong with you? Um, and then later on, um, a burger eating competition with dogs, not just Beethoven. I might add, this it's yeah. multiple owner books. and dog. Like, that's not that's not a thing. Is no, it? No, like, it's not. Uh, people and their dogs entering an eating contest together. That's that's not a thing that happens. No, no, 100% not. And it's an irresponsible thing. And that, that those dogs are going to die. They should not be eating burgers. Yeah. Um, bad, bad, bad dog. Bad dog ownership on, on show in this movie all the way through. Um, but but like you said, we do have some good villains again. So Chris Penn is brilliant. You've got a couple of like New Yorkers who yeah. come down to California with and, their dogs, and they hate dogs, but they're using it to get money out of a divorce. Um, so you've got Debbie Mazar and and Chris Penn as the villains, and she is just an absolutely her performance is absolutely off the off the chain, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like incredible outfits all the time that sort of show a bunch of back, but yeah, always just seem like something. Uh, it's like a sort of weird Catwoman tribute half the time, isn't it? Yeah, she's got girl. her hair slicked back. <laughs> yeah, uh, you've got um, g- girl boss Regina. Her character's Regina. Girl boss yeah. Regina. Um, one of the most mean-spirited human beings ever put on 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 cinema. Um, absolutely hates dogs. Is only demanding this dog because she wants to get one over on her ex-husband and get money out of him. Constantly talking about killing dogs. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's magnificent. Um, really, quite something. So uh, yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> It's something to something to look forward to if you've never seen this movie before. You're in for a treat with her performance in particular, but her and Chris Penn have a really good back and forth in general. Yeah, um, it, it works really well. He's sort of he's like both of the bungling criminals from the first film sort of rolled into one person, isn't he? 
Yeah, that he also is a bit more violent to human beings. Um, because you never see Stanley Tucci and Oliver Platt do anything to humans. No, um, whereas, that's true. Whereas he does beat up Charles Graydon a little bit. Yeah, there's a bit of sort of actual fighting, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and so, so yeah, so so they're really good. Uh, rest in peace, Chris Penn. Um, yeah, but um, but yeah, it's it's a really good little um, little enemy thing here. Um, but there is also another cameo I really wanted to point out. Do you notice that Maureen Ponderosa from Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Oh, really? You know the girl who Ted tries to buy a Coke for. Yeah, that's it's um Catherine Reitman. It's uh, it's is it's Maureen Ponderosa, Ponderosa. Yeah, Catherine Reitman, who is Ivan Reitman's daughter, who's the one who made the film, producer. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, have you watched Working Moms? Because she's in that, and I've never I watched think... it, but it. My wife watched some of it, and I was in the room, in and out of the room, and it was it was not bad. Yeah, it okay. was okay. Might have to watch that because I know that it's on Netflix, so um, yeah. I've never got around to watching it. Oh, that's right. I hadn't made the connection between that and Always Sunny. Um, so yeah, Maureen Ponderosa turns up here. Gotta love it. Yeah, and Ted's trying to do his cool boy act. He is. Yeah, he's 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 being all sassy, and she's like, "You're too short." <laughs> but then he gets the big the big bully to go away using his dog in a repeat and, of the first film, in which, again, they've rolled all three of the bullies into one character. Yeah, in, in a single scene. Ted, Ted has no character development, really. And, and, and another, another bit of, of the heteronormative conservatism of these movies, um, he acts like some kind of 1950s stud when he's buying her a Coke. I'm buying you a Coke, doll. Yeah. Basically what he says, and it's really weird. Where did that come from? Yeah, that's what um, every man should aspire to be. Even though, obviously, his father figure isn't like that. He's more no. like a man who just wants to eat, which, speaking <laughs> which, as a father, is something I can really relate to. Speaking as not a father, I can also relate. <laughs> um, but, but, but speaking of the conservatism of uh, Beethoven, there's also another continuation of the female characters where the, 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 the villain of this movie, the most abhorrent character from the entire series, is a divorcee. So again, yeah. someone who's broken down the family dynamic, huh. traditional... Uh, romantic structure of society is a villain. A divorcee with a career in with high career. crime, obviously. <laughs> in dog theft. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, so again, it's a, it's a, it's another thing. I'm like, hmm. Could have uh, could have had a little bit more female empowerment in these movies, Beethoven. I'm holding the dog wholly responsible. Yeah, it's all his fault. I mean, he's the one who who does it. He's the one who who undermines. The, the working working women yeah he so, yeah, yeah I, I blame you dog <laughs> <laughs> it's all your fault beethoven you're cancelled even even though you won the eating contest yeah you're still you're still cancelled you won the eating contest you lost the support of gen z soz mate but there um, are puppies there are puppies and the puppies are cute i didn't like the cute one puppy of them mohican no, that's mean. You shouldn't do that, that was, to your dog. That was that was yeah. I was like, just let it have its normal, normal uh, hair. But the dogs are cute, and they get up to the same hijinks that Beethoven did when he was a puppy in the first movie. There's so if you, if There's you enjoyed poo. seeing dogs pee, then then you're gonna love Beethoven's second because it's got loads more pee jokes in it. 
Um, yeah, and it tries it tries to get weirdly sentimental, doesn't it? There's more like there's an emotional dad speech in Beethoven one with him in the car with Beethoven, isn't there? When he's taking him to the vet to be put down, and he's like, "I don't want to do this, buddy." And I actually, that actually was welling up a little bit at that because he's doing his emotional dad thing. But yeah, Beethoven second is like, yeah, it's all emotional dad and daughter stuff, and that's just a bit boring, isn't it? You're like, yeah, I want the puppies yeah. now. Give me the puppies. I don't care about Rice and her stupid boyfriends. Yeah, give me the puppies. Although um, I like that Beethoven destroys a house. <laughs> yeah, that that's good. He he gets rid of a whole like bang, balcony section of a of a house. I was not expecting to see sexual assault in a kids movie about a dog. Yeah, that um, t- it that took a dark a, turn. It did it? take a very dark turn all of a sudden, where she was locked in a room with a man who clearly wanted to do things she didn't want to do. Um, and thankfully, Beethoven was there to destroy this guy's house, as as he should have. Um, that is the correct response for anyone who treats women like that is to destroy their house that if I'm ever prime minister that's that's on my list of things is any, anyone who who hurts a woman we uh, we just turn up at their house with sledgehammers and just fuck up their kitchen for a bit yeah bring bring, on, on bring a big the, dog on a chain and they just pull <laughs> at the side of the house until it comes away yeah exactly on top of the on top of everything else in terms of um, you know sentencing but we're just adding house destruction via dog to the list um people also pouring beers onto beethoven who the yeah. fuck pours beer on a dog that's not cool no. they, they, yeah those dumb guys they go hey a dog like, a yeah, dog um yeah we also get dog poo tracking skills yeah uh which was which was interesting you don't actually get to see rice stick her fingers in dog shit but it is heavily imp- implied which I did not appreciate. I didn't think that was entirely necessary to the plot of this movie to have her put her fingers in puppy poo to see if it was still warm, to see if they're on the right track. Um, yeah, not not required. Thanks, Beethoven second for for that mental image. So you don't mind the piss, but the poo, the warm puppy poo is where you draw the line. Unhappiness yeah. is warm is a warm puppy poo. I think I. Th- exactly um i think it's more the descriptiveness of them talking about it whereas when you see like the obviously not piss it's clear liquid coming out of a dog's body it's lemonade it's like that that's obviously not they they haven't actually filmed a dog peeing on someone there it's all fabricated but then when they're talking descriptively about dog poo it's like i don't really need that (laughs) to be honest beethoven no would have liked some more content but you know you can't have everything some more actual jokes or some more Charles Grodin being a dad content. Yes, yeah. Um, and I, I do, I'm sorry, Paddy, but I do actually not jokingly have to get serious. I do have to get serious now. Um, this movie has Danny Masterson in it as Seth, the cool motorbiked kid. Now, do you know much The biker boy. Danny? Yeah, do you know much about Danny Masterson? No. Um, he has been accused by four women of rape and it's currently going through the courts. Um, he is a member of the Church of Scientology. Oh, um, dear. The, the people who, uh, the, the victims of rape have said that they've been harassed and stalked by the Church of Scientology. Um, and included in that is their dogs getting fucking killed by someone feeding them rat poison inside meat. Oh, jeez, that's grim. Which is not very Beethoven-y, to be honest. Um, no, that's very anti-Beethoven. So, so yeah, I just thought, if you watch this movie and you think, oh, that Seth kid seems cool, uh, he, he's not cool. 
he's, he's and oh, I'm looking at his filmography now as well, and he's not been in anything that I've seen. So yeah, no, clearly, clearly rubbish. Although he's been, he was apparently in Dracula 2000, which we talked about, <laughs> which we have talked point. about. Yeah. So now we can't watch it. We we can watch it, but we can. We no, can of course him, we can. We can call him a chud again. Yeah, um, you're a you're a chud, Danny yeah. Masterson. Um. So so yeah, no. It, that, I I was like I was I was looking through. I'm thinking that name looks really familiar. Why do I know that name? And then immediately it was just like, oh, oh no, that's why I know that name. Um, but yeah, the, the, the complete anti-Beethoven, not deserving well, of being in a Beethoven movie. No. Um, but yeah, so so fuck Danny Masterson. Uh, the official message <laughs> yeah. of, of the Big Boys Don't they Cry should, podcast. They should redo like the digital <clears throat> files and just like digitally replace him with someone else. They could do that now, right? Yeah. Who was the old guy? Listen with like replace... Finn Wolfhard or someone. Who Who was the old guy they got to replace? Um, uh, what's his face? Um, the guy from Seven and House of Cards. Kevin Spacey. Who replaced Kevin Spacey in that movie? Because they did just Oh, Christopher it. Plummer. Yeah, they should get Christopher yeah. Plummer to play Seth the, the cool teenager. <laughs> yeah. He could he could do it. There's nothing he couldn't do. Yeah, precisely. Precisely. Um but but yeah, so but getting back on track with something a bit more lighthearted then. Um I did like the various bits of puppy chaos. I think that that was fun. You you got to get all the same scenes with with Charles Grodin being infuriated, trying to get them to go into the outside uh, sleeping quarters, and and them, you know, weeing in places they shouldn't wee, and everything like that. Yeah, um, he got to continue his exasperation, which is always funny. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, and and there was little bits and pieces that were continued over. So again, you had sort of like chal- the the financial challenges of his. Um, of his air freshener company, but it kind of all dwindled. That that was never resolved, was it? Yeah. And one, once they got to the nice house in the mountains that they were being loaned, it was just like, yep, from here on, it's puppy villains are coming. Get rid of them. The film is over. Yes. Yeah. Rice um, has boyfriends now. And, and I remember you um, mentioning that they had three different kinds of dog in this movie so they had actual saint bernard's then they had an animatronic saint bernard head and then they had someone wearing a dog suit playing a saint bernard now could you tell when watching this when those other things were used i could not i'm gonna have to look this up and read it but i read that on wikipedia when i was halfway through the film (laughs) So then, after that point, you're just looking every time you see him, you're like, is that a man in a dog suit? Is that a man in a dog suit? Yeah, because I couldn't tell. I think maybe the nose at the beginning is the mechanical... When it's doing Beethoven's Dream and Charles Grodin is holding a giant steak. Yes, yeah. I think think that's that's the mechanical dog. Um, But then apparently they were using a, a, a full mechanical dog. Oh, right. But I don't know I don't know when that was used. I'm going to have to do some serious research into mechanical dog technology of the early <laughs> 1990s. I, I I want a um I I want a making of Beethoven's second documentary, please. I need to know about when they used a man in a dog suit. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll I'll read the sources, I'll find it out. Yeah, let me know. I really want to know. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's sometimes 
great. The dream sequences are very odd. I did not need to see a point of view dream of Beethoven's, to be honest. Bold no. choice to start the movie with that. And I, kind I thought of that, was, that was a fun, like, goofy start, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. Um, and then I liked that, the, you know, it's, it's bookended with another dream of Charles Grodin where he enters the living room and it's full of full of St. Bernard puppies. Yeah, which would be my dream. <laughs> yeah. It'd be great for an hour and then he'd be like, oh, what am I going to do with all these dogs? Yeah. And then, of course, yeah, the at the end, yeah, Brillo, who is the, the Missy's real owner, who is Regina's ex-husband, Brillo, he comes around and says, oh, they'd like to see their mother. And then the puppies come running down and they're like teenage dogs now and roll over Beethoven plays again. Lol. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's great. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a it's a nice little end. And obviously they then never made any more Beethoven movies after this. No, or any video games or any other terrible spinoffs. <laughs> <laughs> None, nothing else exists but these two films. Yeah. So, um, so Beethoven, right? Beethoven. Um, the first one was directed um, by Brian Levant, who um, also did the Flintstones movie. Also did Jingle All the Way. Oh yeah, there's a shared goof factor there, isn't there? Apparently, directing the remake of police academy that's coming out soon okay i've never seen a police academy film but i know what they are because of the simpsons <laughs> that's what you need why do you think know. i took you to those police academy movies for fun <laughs> do you hear anyone laughing <laughs> um oh and amazingly um brian levant also directed problem child 2 I did not know that. That is amazing. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, if you like this, Paddy, you should probably watch. Well, if you like Beethoven, you should probably watch the Problem Child movies. See if you get on. Um, but but yeah, so so he he he's done lots of sort of kids movies and things like that. And then the sequel is directed by Rod Daniel, who's done a little bit more sort of dog dog adjacent and dog movie stuff. So he did um, K-9. Uh, oh, right, yeah. The police dog movie that's not Turner and Hooch. The, the one with Jim Belushi. No. <laughs> um, that, is, that is a weird film. I haven't seen that in a long time. <laughs> um, he also did Teen Wolf, which again, Dog oh, Adjacent. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then did... Um, Dogs are honorary wolf boys. Do- <laughs> Dogs are dogs are honorary wolf boys, aren't they? So yeah. Um, also, then uh, did Home Alone four, um, and the uh, the incredibly poorly received American remake of Men Behaving Badly. Oh no! Guess who's in the terrible remake of Men Behaving Badly? It's, um, we talked about him today already. Danny Masterson. No, Rob Schneider. Oh no. <laughs> Um, yeah. Does it have the same theme music, which is a banger? I assume it's it's more American. I assume not. Um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's basically the same thing where it's like, yeah, um, where it's slovenly men living together. <laughs> Thank you. 
Sometimes I put that on and just dance around. I mean, why wouldn't you? Yeah, genuinely is a, a banger. Um, I I miss the days of amazing theme music for for shows. In- shows don't even have theme music anymore, do they? Well, Yellow Jackets. Sorry to bring this up for like the third. Show you bring up every week. <laughs> third week in a row, but I really did love it. I've finished watching the first series now. It's really good. Okay, I'll, I'll, um, watch, it. I'll watch it. It has an amazing uh, theme tune. Um, it made specifically for the show um, by um, by a couple of a couple of goodens. Um, and uh and yeah that so that that's got a good one but again it's not one of those instrumental sassy numbers that we used to get or you know like grandstand oh yeah well. <laughs> which <laughs> has an amazing um uh, amazing theme tunes that we used to get back in the day um but but yeah um <laughs> where was i before men <laughs> behaving badly i can't remember beethoven second it has some of the same music recurring from the first one doesn't it the score continues to be good if not i think there isn't as much effort put into making it work with the with the action of the film but it still does the job yeah they kind of just continued it and you know when you've got a score as good as the first film um of course they're gonna gonna reuse bits of it but um but yeah it could have by randy edelman the second best randy in film music after our marriage is falling apart, of course. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Some of his best-known film scores include Twins, Kindergarten oh. Cop, oh. Beethoven, The Mask, Ooh. and Dragonheart. Those remember some... Dragonheart? I do remember Dragonheart. What a movie. That is a great film. I love I love that. Uh... Is there any romance in that? Talk about that. There's some romance. There's some bromance between a man and a dragon. Yeah. Maybe does that count as a swashbuckler? Maybe we should do a swash timber too. Maybe we could do like a fantasy month. I would honestly love that. Yeah, there must be lots of fantasy romance films that we can pull out, and maybe we could put in Dragonheart. Yeah, um, but yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we could. We could do that. I mean, we talked about Shape of Water previously, which is sort of a fantasy romance, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But the loving the fish man. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. A woman and a fish man. So yeah, we we can do a fantasy month at some point. That'd be great. Um, what legend? Maybe that's got romance in it, hasn't it? Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen that. Um. So yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we can. I'm sure we can can pull it together. Um. But anyway, right. Um. Anything else you want to say about uh about Beethoven Second? Beethoven Second. You know. It's it's the sequel that they threw together quickly to capitalise on the success of the first film, and it shows, but it does capture, I think, some of the energy of the first film well, whereas often with those kinds of sequels, they can't get the original cast, or they can't recapture that energy, and they can recapture that energy, the script is just a bit flat, but the performances are still good, the dogs are still good, there's puppy chaos, you know, it's worth watching, but it's not as good as the first one. Yeah, it feels like a continuation of the first one in a way that a lot of these sequels didn't. But um, it's, yeah, it's not as good. Nowhere near as good as the first one. Yeah. Um, but it's good for the, the 90s nostalgia hit, if that's what you need. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so there's not really that much fun trivia for this. No. Um yeah, we've already covered the man in we've, the dog we've suit. Covered, I mean, how do you go the man from there? In the dog suit. Exactly, exactly. So where where can you go from here? Um, so should we just move on to how to how to rank it? 
and, yeah. and what's the score how how many puppies are in your living room creating chaos how many saint bernard puppies so uh, um can breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief it's only 10 puppies for me so uh, it's a bon jovi john bon, bon jovi's left his puppies He's in your puppies. in your living room yeah exactly yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I'll I'll go up to a twelve, maybe even maybe even a thirteen out of twenty. It's yeah, I think it's it's still it's still Beethoven. It's still good. It's still something that I will always love and cherish and have that nostalgic hit from. But it's not as good as the first one. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. All right. Um, well, cool. thank you for indulging me. I appreciate that. No, Listen, if, you, if you if you're listening and you've never seen Beethoven, go and watch it now, please. Yeah, go watch the first Beethoven. It's a decent movie. You'll enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, and see a big if dog. you have, it's it's worth a rewatch. I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Get that, uh, get that nostalgia to uh, fix in. Yeah, but now that that's out of the way, what have you, what have you got for me? What's next? Well, I was going to choose something highbrow, but you uh. mentioned that we haven't actually talked about Kindergarten Cop yet, so we're going to oh. talk about Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I'm going to put that cookie down. <laughs> no, that's that's a good idea. I'm happy with that. Yeah, it's been so. It's been so long since I last watched it. Got to, got to give it another watch. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a very long time. That's that's a good idea. Let's let's never talk about anything current ever. <laughs> no, let's just indulge our nostalgia from here till the end of time. Hey, it's our show, and that's what it's for. <laughs> All right. Well, listen. Thanks a lot for tuning in. We really, really appreciate it, and I hope you enjoyed watching Beethoven and/or Beethoven Second. If you didn't, go and enjoy. Um, there's a link on our show notes to where you can give us money, just like a virtual tip jar. You can find us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod. Big Boys Don't Pod. That's right. And an yes, email Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at Gmail dot com. I said that yeah, nearly two hundred and fifty times, and that's the first time I've got it wrong. So there we go. <laughs> and we'll be back next week to talk about Kindergarten Cop. Alrighty, bye-bye. Right. Bye bye. Bye.